welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. God said, begin to give. And I said, well, Lord, what, what do you mean, uh, begin to give? I said, I, said, I tithe. He said, mm, tithing's not giving. Tithing is returning. You know, if, uh, if um, uh, Pastor Rob said to me, uh, hey, I, can I borrow your car? My car's in the shop. Can I borrow your car? So I said, sure. So I give him the keys. And, uh, you know, a week later, he comes to me and says, listen, Beck and I have been praying, and uh, we'd like to give you this car. I'd say, uh, are those my keys? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, these are your keys, but uh, we, we, we want to give it to you. I'd say, you're not giving me my car. You're returning my car. And a lot of people believe that when they tithe, they're giving to God. But you're not giving yet. You're only returning. Giving is when you give over and above. So the Lord said, give over and above. I said, well, Lord, what, what, how will I know what to give? How will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? How, how will I know? He said, hey, listen, this is so simple. He said, I'll tell you. My sheep hear my voice. Once again, great job, tech team. So good to uh, be reminded again about that series that Robert Morris did last year with us. And uh, if you go to our media page on our website, you go to Archive Media, uh, you can find it. It was a series called No Strings Attached. If you like what you heard, you can hear it again or hear it for the first time. Really good stuff where we return to the Lord the tithe. We say, Lord, that 10% is yours. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge that you're our source. And then we talk about going over and above. How much more can we give? So let me review real quick uh, for those of you that weren't here last week or just to give a little review on where we're going with this series. First of all, we want people here at River Valley Church to tithe because they have a heart of worship. Because they want to do it, because they want to respond to God, they're saying, God, you're my source, everything I have comes from you, I'm doing this because I want to, because I love you, okay? Like Abraham and Jacob did, and we talked about this last week, before there was the law, Abraham and Jacob said, because you're my God, because you supply everything for me, I tithe from my heart. Nobody's told me to do this, this is an outflow recognizing you're my source, Then we had the law come in, and we talked about that a little bit, but now we're in the New Testament. We're in grace, but I believe as grace givers, we should have that same mentality that Abraham and Jacob did that said, God, I'll give you 10%, and not only that, what more do you want? What more do you want? Because I I just understand how much grace I've been given, how much I've been blessed with. God, how much more do you want? And there's great principles in the Bible, uh, in the law and in the covenant that talk about tithing. We should study them. We should apply them. We should learn from them. 
But today, we are grace givers, and we are going to go over and above the 10% and say, God, how much more can we do? Now, I believe that tithing is for today in that way, and I believe the tithe comes to the local church, God's storehouse, his operation you know, center, where he's saying, all right, here's where my work is going on. And if you look in the book of Acts, when the early church was formed, they're like, okay, we're bringing it to the apostles. All right, you guys help us distribute it, supply the work. And when the apostles were there and the preachers were there, they were saying, okay, let's bring it in. Let's uh, organize this. Let's have a way to manage all the money that comes in. And so they do that. And so for today, I believe same principle applies, bringing it to the church, the storehouse, to support the ministry of what God's doing. And then we go from there, we go to over and above. And we're going to talk about over and above today, all right? How many excited about over and above? All right. I'm very excited about over and above, and I thank my staff for clapping. All right. No. All right. It's all good. Okay. I just want to answer a few questions about tithing, though, real quick, because I do get asked these, and uh, this week... People were asking me all sorts of things. People were coming up to me, actually with testimonies. One family said, hey, we just want to tell you, uh, we started tithing a year ago, and this is incredible, but our income has gone up 400% in one year. And I was like, results may vary, but that's incredible. All right, that's, that's incredible. And they said, we weren't tithers, but we started doing it at 400% increase. I had another guy come up to me. He said, I brought a first-time visitor to church last week. And how many know you're all like, Lord, why did they come this week? It's on money, you know? And, and the first-time visitor was so impressed with it, didn't have a job, but took the $20 they had in the pocket and said, all right, I'm going to take the $20 and I'm going to put it in. I like this message. I've never heard anything about money before. Put it in and said, okay, Lord, I don't even have a job, but I gave you $20. He was going that week to buy a car for almost $2,000, and he needed it for his job. And he gets there, and this guy he doesn't know says, I, for some reason, I'm not supposed to sell you this car for $2,000. I'm supposed to sell it to you for $200 and just be a blessing to you. Is that okay? He's like, wow, this is so cool. And he was asking, is that how God works? Like he puts things on sale for you? (laughs) I think that's my wife's tithing prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Hallelujah, yeah. But I also talked to somebody and they said, we started tithing, we've done this, we, we haven't seen any major blessings. We've had just our needs taken care of. We're in school and we're wondering when does a breakthrough happen? And I said, I don't know, but I, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you need anything right now? Do you have food? And they said, we have food. I said, do you have clothing? Yes. Do you have a place to stay? Stay. And they said, yes. I said, God's taking care of your needs and you're in school right now, and this may be a season where you say, I've learned to be content when I've been poor and when I've been rich. This may be a season where you're learning to say, while we have little, we'll still be faithful, and Lord, in the day that you give us more, we'll remember the day we were faithful with little. And I said, but if you have any needs, please let the church know we will take care of those needs. We want to make sure that the body of Christ is taking care of each other. So I heard all these different things, and then I heard uh, questions that people said. They would just come up to you, they say, you know, like, if, if God doesn't need our money, why do I have to tithe? You know, because if we don't need it, and, and he has the cattle on a thousand hills, why do we have to tithe? Why do we have to do that? And I said, you're right, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money, but you need to acknowledge God is your source. You need to acknowledge that he's your source, and you're saying, I'd rather live on 90% with him than 100% without him as my source. I just believe that so strongly. And you say, well, I think behind that there's a fear there that says, I, 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 but if he doesn't need it, you know, I want to give to who needs it, okay? It doesn't matter. It's a principle of saying, God, I'll step out in this principle. You're my source. 
You're my source and I will fund your church. And again, I'd rather live on 90 than live on 100% without you. I also believe this 10% in tithing when I was talking uh, to people that have asked, asked this question before. It gets rid of selfishness. How many know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you start realizing, I'm living for you, God. I'm not trying to keep it all myself. I recognize the first bite goes to you, and I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to give to you, and I want you to kill selfishness in me. And how many know we'll just be better people when we acknowledge that God's our source and we're not going to be selfish? Okay? So I said, let's do that. And then another person said, well, when do I tithe? When do I tithe? I heard the message. When should I tithe? I said, when do you get paid? You know, I said, it's pretty simple. Next time you get paid, tithe on it. I said, okay. So I said, next, next check. When, did you, when do you get paid? They're like, like, I just missed one. I had one three days ago, so hallelujah. Next check. I was like, <laughs> okay. So next check, you do it. And then um, they asked me, this is right after service last week. They said, what about like the last two years? I've been coming here. I haven't tithed. I mean, what should I do? I haven't been tithing for two years. And I just said, just start on the next paycheck. Just start on the next one. And, and they're like, yeah, but I, but I missed out on all that. And here's what happens. If you, if you try to rationalize, okay, I haven't tithed for this many years or that many years or this many years, all of a sudden you'll use that as an excuse. You're like, God, the, the, the hole is so deep that I'm in, I don't even know how I could get out of the hole. So until I figure this out, I won't start tithing. So God, until I get enough money to pay back all those years, you see what I'm saying? And that's the rationale that we use to lie. Start tithing on the next paycheck. Move from there right now. Obedience, boom. And I'm going to do that. I'm not going to worry about the stuff that's in the back. All right? People say to me all the time, what do I tithe on? What do I tithe on? I thought it was pretty simple. I'd say your salary, your bonuses, your interest earned, your dividends, proceeds, money you find on the street. Tithe on it, okay? I mean, just tithe on the money that comes into your hands. Be generous. And I'll say this, the only thing that we've taught our kids that they don't have to tithe on is when someone gives them a gift. When someone says, happy birthday, here's your gift, and they look at us like, do I have to tithe on that? You know? <laughs> I'm like, you can give an offering from it, but it's a gift. You didn't earn that. It, you, it was a gift to you, all right? And, uh, but the principle behind that, when people say, well, what do I have to tithe on? I think people want to like, do taxes on their tithe. Does that make sense? They want to form, and they want to say, Lord, can I deduct my house payment? Because after all, the company pays for that. Lord, can I deduct my car payment? And can I deduct my health? And can I deduct this? And can I deduct that? And after all, Lord, net for me, uh, with my bad investments this year, I made zero. Church owes me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, wait a minute, how do you drive the Escalade? How do you have the house? How do you vacation in Hawaii? How do you pay for Botox? I mean, come on, let's go. Let's be honest, okay? You made something. You made something, okay? There's no tax deduction. And I think behind that, you know, there's a heart issue. There's a heart issue, okay? If you're self-employed, you tithe on what did you use to live? What did you use to live? All self-employed people, come on, love me, smile at me, all right? Come on. All right, now some people have said gross or net, and I just say gross. I teach my kids that, I do gross. I say, I want God to get the biggest bite. He gets the first bite right off the gross. That's the way it's gonna be. I say, I want gross help, not net help. I'm going for it. I'm gonna give him the first bite. I get asked by other people, they say, if I do that, I can't afford my lifestyle. And I'll just say this to you, you may have to adjust your lifestyle. Is it God's fault that you got into terrible consumer debt? Okay, 
So why do we say, God, it's my fault that I got into this, but I'm not going to give you the tithe, and I'm not going to change my lifestyle. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm not going to do anything different. And because I can't afford to do it because I've messed and I'm living at 120%, that's bad stewardship. That's bad stewardship. And I think some will have to readjust their lifestyle and be obedient I really do, and sometimes the debt that we get into, it's legitimate, but I still think that we say, God, I will adjust accordingly. I will honor you with the first bite. You're going to get the tithe, and if I have to change my lifestyle, then so be it. If I have to go to Financial Peace University, and I have to change my lifestyle, then I'll do it. I will do it because I want to make sure I'm tithing. Another thing I get asked is, is it okay to do 3% or 5% or 7%? A tithe is 10%. And I'll tell you what, I thank God for every amount that people give, but you're tithing when you go over 10%. And um, I thank God for that when people see that obedience. Um, Years, years, years ago, um, you know, I used to see a a giving report every week. I don't see that now, but I used to see a giving report. And I used to laugh because there'd be like somebody that tithed like 23338 And I was like, they got the calculator out, baby. And I thought they couldn't even do like 62 cents of offering, you know, it's like, you know, I'm going to put it down to the penny, but here's the deal. You tithe 10%. You do that. And I can remember one year, Becca and I were doing our taxes, and I looked, and our tithe equals like 9.9%. And I went crazy, because I thought we were giving way more than that. I was like, I can't, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. It was night. I can't believe this. And then we found the giving thing that was more tithe. And all of a sudden, the percentage jumped way up. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank, I was like so troubled that I wasn't at least doing that because he is getting the first bite. I thought, how in the world could I have overlooked that he gets the first bite? And it shouldn't be a guess to you that he gets the first bite. You should know that he gets the first bite. Another person said, I'm afraid. I said, don't let fear hold you back. God has not given you a spirit of fear. They said, is it okay if I tithe and I do this because I get to deduct it from my taxes? I said, it's not a problem. If you get to deduct it from your taxes, you have more for offering. It's all good. Don't worry about it, all right? Another one that I get asked a lot is my spouse won't let me tithe, okay? I just want to say this. If you're a dual income home, ask if you can tithe on your income, okay? Say, hey, this is my income, my contribution. I would like to tithe on this. If you, if you have no agreement in the household and that can't be done, ask what you can give for an offering for special projects and keep praying that God will soften your spouse's heart so that you can become tithers. I do not want you to sneak money out. People come in, they're like, I'm sneaking the tithe out. No, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not a witness to your spouse that's not believing. That's not a witness. That's not what we want here. We want you to be in unity on this, but see if you can come to that. Okay, now with all that, let me just say this. If we all would tithe, the church would have an unbelievable weapon at its disposal. Unbelievable. I mean, we had about somewhere between an 8 and 10% increase of tithers in our church. And just to let you know, about 23% of River Valley tithes. We had about an 8% increase in tithers, and a lot of people gave something, okay? And our giving went up 60% last year. So think about that. If we had everybody tithing, we'd have an unbelievable weapon in our hand, and we would not have an underfunded church that is weakened. We'd have a church that is powerful and strong and able to do all the good that God wants us to do. And I thought about this. An underfunded church is a weakened church, and an underfunded church is a weekend church. 
Because all it can do is stay open on the weekend. It can't do anything Monday through Saturday. It barely can keep the doors open. And we need to say, Lord, we will not do that. We will go above and beyond. We will tithe, and then we'll go above and beyond because God has given us the ability to prosper in this country. And I'm just going to talk really straight with you. If God wanted to fulfill his goal of reaching the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if he wanted to reach the whole world, if he wanted us to take care of the poor, if he wanted us to have a church that it would have so many good works that the world would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, if that's the type of church that he wants, what do you think he would give as a gift to a lot of his people? He would give the gift of giving. I believe that. He would give us the gift of giving. He would give us the gift of being able to make large sums of money. And if you look around our church, he's given many of us that gift. He's given us the gift to earn large sums of money and to be able to be generous above and beyond the tithe and to go for it and say, this ability to earn, this ability to have great sums of money could be a weapon to advance the cause of Christ around the world. This could be a weapon to end hunger, to end poverty, to just go into the world and do so much good, and he's given us that ability. And yet so many of us sit there with this weapon in our hands, this ability to give so much more over and above, to be generous towards God, and we never do much with it. We just hold on to it. We hold on to it. And yet do you know that one out of every 100 Americans is a millionaire? That's right, one out of every 100 Americans is a millionaire, and that didn't come from a church statistic. That's from the Wall Street Journal, June 22nd, 2011. How many know your pastor's paying attention to things like that, right? The Wall Street Journal said it, one out of every 100 Americans is a millionaire. That means there's 3,100,000 millionaires in the United States of America. That's incredible. Do you realize that in the average church, there's one person for every 40 people here and at all of our campuses. There's one person for every 40 people that could write a one-time gift equal to our entire yearly budget. Think about that. The money is there. God is blessing his church. God is blessing our freedom. God is blessing us. And and in, in case you didn't know this, I'm a huge supporter of capitalism. Huge supporter of it, okay? I'm opposed to communism. I'm opposed to socialism. It makes people numb and doesn't achieve. And I'm for capitalism. I want you to make as much money as you can so you can be rich on every occasion to give to all the needs out there. What a weapon that would be if the church would be inventing things and, and, and making more wealth and creating wealth. And I'm all for that so that we could do more good around the world. All right? Just for just a second here, here's something that bothers me. People say, like, do you know the richest six people have all this stuff and, da, 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 and the poorest this, don't have it? I always think about this. It's crazy that the richest six people have invested and made that much wealth. They made, Bill Gates made a program that made wealth and created jobs and wealth and wealth. And instead of being mad at him for making all that wealth, I'm saying, how can we get everybody to keep trying to make that wealth and then do good for it? I'm praying that Christians will make wealth so they can invest it and use it as a weapon for the kingdom of God. Now, the challenge here today is to mature tithers, 
okay? The challenge is to mature people here because last week, I know that a lot of people that tithe were just like, amen, preach to Pastor Rob. All those non-tithers need to hear this one. <laughs> the challenge today is to those that are tithers and to those that are, are, are saying, I'm mature, I love last week, but instead of looking at all the money that I've got in my hands, I'm going to look through it and see what I can do with it. I'm going to look at, I'm going to, I'm going to be challenging those that are saying, I've got a lot, I've been a tither, what more can I do? Now, every ministry we need to start can be funded by what we have here in our hands. Everything we need. The hurting can be helped, the lost can be found. It's all right here. I believe that. And we have the money to do so much good for, for the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you this, that when you give in the offering, when you give your tithe, when you give over and above, when you give kingdom builders, your offering has a voice. And I want to read the scripture for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. The Apostle Paul is writing this and he says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. This when we give our offering, our tithe, our giving, our kingdom builders, our over and above, it has a voice. And it goes throughout all the world. And the praises of God from the people that are impacted by it are the ones that are bringing it before the Lord. And they're saying, God, thank you that somebody gave so that I could get in on this. It's happening. And when we give, I want you to have this new picture in your mind. When you give in our offering buckets... And when you give online, it's going all the way around the world. It's going everywhere. We're doing so much good with it. And people are praising God. And I have on here, speed the light. Do you know that we bought $100,000 worth of vehicles for missionaries last year? Do you know that we pledged this year to buy this super cool swamp buggy for a missionary in Russia? He needs this big old fat tired Jeep thing for $25,000. I wanted one, but I was like, all right, Lord, we're buying it for him. We're buying a missionary a snowmobile so they can go. That's at speed of light. Do you know that the people of Minatrista are saying, thank God that somebody invested in refurbishing this place because 230 people are now worshiping Jesus Christ. Do you know that, I mean, you think North Central University, where all of our music pastors are coming from, they're thanking God for all the money that we've been able to pour into that school to train up new leaders. Children's Cup in Swaziland, they are thanking God for the money that we're giving. The praises of God are going all around the world. Faribault, Apple Valley, the Edina. You know what, I, I just, when I was holding this bucket before service, I could just hear people trapped in Edina that were saying we need a life-giving, gospel-preaching, spirit-filled church that it's going to challenge us to take our wealth to go to another level. And when we put it in, God's saying your money's going there and you're making a difference. And the cool thing, if you're a business person, this is so cool, the return on your investment is incredible. You're investing in the kingdom of God. We're starting more places. We're doing this, which those people find Christ and they start to give and they give more to the kingdom of God. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. That's amazing. Valencia, people are in Valencia right now because Kingdom Builders, we're starting a campus there that costs $100,000 a year for us to support. But you know what? They're praising God for it. 
AIDS orphans in Swaziland. I mean, in Swaziland, they are thanking God that we're supporting them. When we put it in here, our, our offering has a voice. It has a voice, and it's coming out in these different languages all around the world that they're saying, praise God. Praise God that somebody gave. Praise God that somebody did it, and your offering is going all the way around the world. It goes out, and it gets lifted up. And we need to say, God, what more can we do? What more can we do? What more can we do? We've been blessed with so much. What can we do more to do more for you? I mean, the principle of over and above giving is all throughout the scriptures. And I don't have time to read all the scriptures, but in Leviticus 22, Numbers 15, Deuteronomy 12, Exodus 35, Ezra 1, verses 5 and 6, it talks about free will offerings. I don't have time to read all those, but I'm telling you, they're in there. And I set them on purpose so they'd be on, on the teaching and you can watch it online or with live stream if you want to watch again tomorrow. Man, I'm telling you, uh, 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 we should be giving over and over and above. And so I'm speaking to those that are tithers right now that are saying, I'm in on the 10%. That's not a stopping point. It's just a starting point. Let's go over and above. Let me give you a couple good principles. I believe we should give 2% to the poor. I believe we should say, God, I want to give 2% to the poor. I want to always be ready to give 2% to the poor. I believe we should give 3% to projects. And saying, you know, like that's, that's like kingdom builders and different things. We can say, you know what, I want to start giving and I want to be intentional about this. And I think that as a good principle, we could save 10%. But here's something that I want to address in our church. As we're prospering in the church and as we're prospering in America, as we make more and 10% becomes easy and 5 more percent becomes too easy, don't overdo it on the savings. Now listen, I know I might have some financial planners that will get mad at me. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a difference between saving and hoarding. There's a difference. There's a difference. There are needs today that need to be met. And there's a difference between saving and hoarding. We should save things. And saving says, you know what? I'm not going to presume upon God. I'm going to have a little nest egg here, a little something in case there's a dry month or two. Okay? Hoarding says, I'm going to replace God with my account. And I'll never have to trust on God ever. Not if I go through a job. I'm going to have so much that I never have to pray, God, give me my daily bread. Okay? Now, again, I know there's people here, and I know it's really quiet here, and I know that I'm speaking to people that are like, wow, I'm not used to you beating me up. I'm a tither. <laughs> All right? But I'm just telling you, God is just convicting me that we have so much. We have so much. When I save, I'm laying something aside for a future need. And if I sense God's voice saying, give it, I give it. When I hoard, I lay something aside for a possible future need. And if I move with compassion, I don't touch it. Because society has said the principle is untouchable. Don't touch that. That's your retirement. Don't touch that. Where in the Bible does it say we can't touch that? I'm serious. Where does it say that? I have given to kingdom builders. I've given to this building. When we moved into Apple Valley, we gave from our retirement account to do that. I, I had people say, don't do that. Don't. You can't do that. That's your retirement. I said, isn't it God's money? It's all my money. He gave me amount to give. There's been no other way that it's come in. I'm kind of looking at this nest egg right here. I got the money. I'm going to give the amount he told me to give. Now, I know I'm getting all sorts of hate mail from planners, but that's okay. 
It's okay to save for a rainy day. It is not okay for the church to save for a rainy century. Okay? Some of us say, God, I could live and live and live and live and never need another dime from anyone for 500 years. Five minutes after you die, you will wish that you gave more. You will wish that you gave more, and you would just say, God, I wish I would have given more. I wish I could have done something. And the Bible talks about somebody like this, and let me read this before we get done. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, Jesus says this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry, and retire in Scottsdale. No, that's not in there, but it's the other part is. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Jesus called this man a rich young fool. He said, you're not rich towards the things of God. And please hear me out. I love capitalism. I love it when people make money. It is okay for you to make money. I wish everyone in our church was a millionaire and a billionaire. We could be unstoppable with that. I'm okay with that. But I'm saying that you have to say, God, as I prosper, as I have more, how much more do you want me to give? How much more do you want me to invest? How much more of the needs that I hear today do you want me to meet? right now, right here, with the money in my pockets, not after I die, and then my family can decide where it all goes. What do you want me to do with it? It's okay to save, but it's not okay to hoard. Because I think us, in this church, in all of our campuses, we should wrestle over this parable. We should wrestle over this parable and say, how am I different from this guy? How am I different? Because, Lord, I have this, and I have that, and I have this, and I have that, and I can't wait to get my new this, and I can't wait to get my new this, and my new that, and my new this, and my new that, and my new this. How is that much different? We should wrestle with this. And so maybe you're in your mind going, well, Pastor Rob, how much is enough? How much is enough? How much is enough? What Becca and I have done is we've said percentages. God, when we make this 10%, when we make this 20%, when we make this 30%, when we make this 40%, when we make this 50%, I've slotted it all out up to 90%. And I'm like, Lord, if I'm gonna do that, I need to write a bestseller or something, all right? But, you know, it's one of those things that we slotted it out. And I've said, you know, Lord, it'll be incredible. The 10% that I'd have from all that would be way more than I have now, but wouldn't it be amazing to be rich towards you and not forget about the kingdom of God? But here's something I just want to tell you as we close this out. You have to live in this tension, and I'm not pastoring this church right if we're not living in this tension. You need to wrestle in this tension. You need to be wrestling like, Lord, how much do I give the missionary this week? Lord, how much should my kingdom builder's commitment be, Lord? I'm wrestling, Lord. I got this nest egg, and, 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 and I'm putting 25% away, Lord. Is that hoarding, or, you know, what am I doing here, Lord? Is there enough? When is enough? Lord, should I do that percentage thing? What's a good amount? You should be living in the tension. And we should not just be a funded church, a well-funded church. We should be an extremely well-funded church giving things all around the world so the praises of God can be heard all around the earth. I'm telling you, he has put us in a place in an affluent society to say, how much more 
can we give? How much more can we do? So God, I pray right now for those of us here that are in that situation like the rich young ruler. I only focus on that group today. I thank God that the tithers were last week and those not tithing, but today I focus on those of us that really are the rich young rulers. We don't want to be the foolish rich young ruler. We don't want to say, Lord, look at how much more I amassed for myself. Look at how much more I kept. Look at how much bigger and bolder and stronger and greater all my assets became. Lord, I I just pray that we'd be convicted to uh, close the gap. Close the gap. Close the gap. Let's close the gap. And and instead of putting so much away, we could close the gap. And each year say, God, I don't know if that was enough, but I, I made it last year. I'll give a little more. And God, I don't know if that's enough, but I made it last year and I gave a little bit more. And God, I don't know if that was enough, but I closed the gap and I gave a little bit more. And I lived differently than the people around me because I was on mission for you, God. And I wanted to go over and above and be generous. I wanted to be over and above and be generous. So I pray that over your church. Help us, Lord, to live in that tension. No pointing fingers, no thinking about what is somebody else going to do, but God, what am I going to do? What is my family going to do? What are we going to do to close the gap and keep being generous so your praises can be heard all around the world, so missionaries can be funded, so hospitals can be built, and orphanages can be built, and Bibles can be purchased, and vehicles can be purchased, and things would happen so that this world would know the love of Jesus Christ, that our church has been generous on every occasion. So blessings upon your church. I pray they'd make tons of money. Tons of money. Invent new ideas and make so much money that it's a joy that they could get their, to their 90% number and say, God, that's incredible what I was able to do for you. I hope you say, well done. You are a great steward because I loved making that money and advancing the kingdom of God. Thank you for that. Blessings, blessings, blessings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.